I know where I'm starting, and that's with Joyce. Good morning, Joyce. Good morning, Bob. Spring is peeking out all over the place. And it's supposed to be in the upper 30s in Bernie tonight, so it's just it's dragging its heels. Uh, I'm going to ask Howard today. You know, everybody always talks about when Easter's late, the cold sticks around. Everybody talks about that Easter cold front, and uh, um, spring's out there, but it just keeps hiding, hiding out for a little while every now and then. It is, but this is the time of year when when everybody's into tomatoes, and that's a big subject for you. (laughs) I guess it is. And I saw a tomato cartoon that I think sums up almost everything in the garden. Tell me about it. A little guy standing in his garden working and standing beside a tomato bush that's filled with big, gorgeous red tomatoes, and he's eating one, and he says... When a homegrown tomato tastes this fantastic, it makes no sense whatsoever that the term garden variety is defined as meaning ordinary. <laughs> that's that's a pretty thought-provoking uh, cartoon, but it is it is certainly highly accurate. Yeah, and it would apply to I think everything in the garden. I think Not it just- would, and uh, mine mine that I saw this week was even simpler. And it's uh, it was a little sign that said uh, gardening is cheaper than therapy, and you get tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. That's a, well. I have two questions. Okay. One is kind of a situational thing that I wanted your opinion on, and that is I have a bunch of junk trees in the yard that just simply have never been taken out all over the place because I just didn't pay attention, mm-hmm. and it's trash trees that are maybe three inches, two inches, and they're going to have to come out, and I'm going to have David Vaughn come and, and, and look at other things, but they'll go out. But what I wanted to do is that will give me sun, which I don't have. Uh-huh. Is it feasible that if I had these things cut off at, say, um, eight feet, you know, top, basically, and I just have a, a, a stump there, this would make a wonderful post in the ground. Mm-hmm. If I were to have somebody girdle that thing, say maybe, I don't know what, you tell me, two or three inches off of the ground, would it over a period of time, could I use it to plant, maybe put some uh, wire around it and put hyacinth bean or something that could just cover that whole thing out there. Absolutely. Oh, there's no reason it wouldn't work. Uh, I would girdle it even closer to the ground. I go down pretty darn close to ground level and and peel a pretty wide little strip, maybe a couple of inches off. Mm -hmm. When that tree gets topped, uh, it's going to start sprouting out all the way up and down the trunk. And obviously you don't want any sprouts below the point that you're girdling it. Right. But, but I don't care about the rest because I was going to just put annual vines that would just cover the thing. Oh, yeah, I think that would be great. I think hyacinth bean, I think uh, uh, cypress vine, uh, perhaps uh, one of the thunbergias, what they call clock vine, that beautiful yellow and black one. That, yeah. And, of course, uh, the perennial vine, Queen's Crown, is uh, one of my favorites for the bees that it brings in oh, and yes. the hummingbirds and uh, it just grows so quickly and blooms so long. I think that's a perennial worth planting. Gosh, the yes, list just yes, goes. I wanted one of those. Yeah, goes on and on. The passion vines are out there, and you could do a lot of fun things with uh, put put those trash trees to some good use. And I figure they'd last a couple of years, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, probably probably three years. Now, yeah. hackberries uh, are one of the fastest rot out, but. Oh, gosh, you know, cedars and things like that can stand there for 15 or 20. 
and yeah, um if it, yeah but uh no that would give you several years and at the end of such time when they decide it's time to crunch and fall over there's no reason especially since you're so used to having the vines out there that you couldn't just have someone drive a chunk of heavy rebar or a piece of half inch pipe or something down in the ground leave your wire in place and uh uh, as thick as the vines are going to get, nobody but you is going to know that there's no longer a wooden stake holding it up. It's switched to something even more durable. And, uh, in fact, uh, a year or two into the process after that thing, after the trees are dead, you might go ahead and do it at that point, just reinforce it. And that way it's going to be there for, you know, the foreseeable future. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I didn't know whether that was kind of a dumb thing or whether it actually worked. It sounded good to me. I, uh, you know, it's uh, it would be a unique landscape feature. But I love flowering vines, and uh, we're you know our seminar this morning over at Shades of Green is on attracting pollinators uh, into the yard and into the garden. And boy, what better way to do it than with some of these flowers that the bees and other creatures love so much. Okay, my second question. Uh, you had a lady, I think it was last week, that was discussing with you a very low-growing uh, yellow flower that you all were discussing, and you came up with the suggestion that it might be a four-nerve daisy. Right. Now, I saw I, at Fort Sam Houston parking lot, between it and where they have their pharmacy, which is a little shack, uh, build, you know, small building out there, there, nobody takes care of this area unless it would get overgrown with weeds. It might get mowed. Mm-hmm. It certainly doesn't get watered. And that thing is absolutely not one speck of ground showing with a low-growing yellow flower with little yellow flowers all over it, not a weed in sight in that thing. And I mean when flat. Now, to me, and see whether this matches up with your four-nerve daisy, It look if you would take... Uh, the Mexican petunia, the short one, mm-hmm. it has a leaf structure like that. Maybe not as large a leaf, maybe three inches. As me- and you stepped on it, and it was flat on the ground because the little uh, uh, Mexican petunia will grow up and form right, kind of right. a woody thing. This does not do that. There is no sign of it. It grows flat to the ground. So the whole thing, like she said, was no taller than three inches with these little yellow flowers poking out above that. And all, I mean, space to space, from the curb to every space of ground, it looked lovely. It Would that fit the four-nerve daisy? The four-nerve daisy has a little bit narrower leaf than Mexican petunia, and it has well, this a... might be slightly, but that's the shape and the form. Yeah, and it has sort of a, almost a gray-green leaf to it, and uh, it certainly, that is certainly a possibility. Now... There is also the square bud primrose. Uh, you probably know the evening primrose, which may be yellow or white, and yeah. it opens up in the evening, as the name would suggest. But uh, uh, the square bud primrose, and, and there are a couple of others, Missouri, I think, is one that are open during the day. Their flowers are a little larger. Now, the uh, four-nerve daisy, the little flowers are, oh, golly, smaller than a quarter in size. Well, it would be the size of um, Damianita. Okay, then that almost certainly is for Nerve Daisy. Okay. I was just absolutely amazed that this thing, I mean, were uncared for completely and not a weed in it. And I know nobody <laughs> weeded that area. It might get mowed. But. It's, uh, it's a neat plant. It's, you know, I'm, I'm surprised, too, that there are not any weeds because it rarely gets that thick 
but uh, obviously this is just his it's found its perfect little place and uh, it's thick enough to keep the weeds from germinating so yeah four nerve nerve daisy sounds like a good uh, possibility and that's something that you all have in four-inch pots or something like that? Normally we do. This time of year we can be overstocked. I got a friend a couple of shishito peppers, I think, on Monday, and we had three flats of them, and I went back to get a couple of them for myself yesterday, and there wasn't one in the whole nursery. So things but change rapidly, but it's something that we typically keep in stock. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, it, off and on you'd have it, so if I oh, didn't yeah. get enough. Yeah. Okay, okay, all righty. All righty, Bob. Well, I know folks are waiting for you, as they always are at this time of year, so thank you very much, and tell Hannah and uh, all of her little friends and Maya, hello for me. <laughs> Maxwell was just working over in the kitchen, chewing on her back legs, chewing on her tail, saying this dog is just a wonderful, a wonderful soft toy for any cat to have. So I will do it, Joyce. You do the same, and I will look forward to visiting again soon. Uh, Trent, Penny, and Susan are my next three callers, and Trent's up first. Good morning, Trent. Morning. Morning, sir. Hey, uh, I got a quick question about an avocado I, I need to transplant into the ground. I got it in a pot right now. Okay. And uh, I'm living in Lavernia, so I got a, nothing but really sand over there. Yeah. So uh, is it now a good time, or do I need to wait until next year to replant it, or what do you suggest? Is this uh, avocado grown from a grocery store avocado? Is it one of the Mexican avocados? Where did Where did the plant come from originally? Yeah, it's a, a grocery box. Okay. Well, the thing about your hosh, your calavos, the things you get at the grocery store, is that they are not cold hardy. They're going to grow. You're going to be much more. They're going to be much more easily maintained in the ground than they will be in a pot. But uh, Lavernia can get cold when we get that occasional time when the weather's going to go below freezing. You will need to cover it, wrap it, do something to protect it. So uh, if you wanted to, you could simply move it into a bigger pot, which could be dragged inside. Or you can, like I say, especially if you have a protected place on the south side of your home or something like that. I have seen big you know, grocery store avocado trees. There used to be one down at the Southwest Craft Center downtown that was 15 feet tall. But just recognize that it's going to have to have winter protection uh, some years. So it's up to you. They're a lot easier to maintain in the ground. Your uh, uh, your soil is just fine. Even though it's sandy, you can add a good organic mulch and you can grow that avocado really well. But uh, if it's going to drop much below freezing, it is going to have to be protected. Okay, okay. And uh, once they do start growing, like, more into a tree, yeah. I mean, uh, how do you protect them then? I mean, just uh, throw a sheet over it or... Well, usually you won't... Yeah, you won't let them make get too tree-like. You're going to, when that thing gets to be five or six feet tall, you're probably going to top it and force it to fill out and grow more like a bush. You always get more fruit off of a bush anyway. And, uh, yes, then you can cover it. I wouldn't use a sheet. I'd use uh, one of these row cover materials. And then if it gets really cold, put a big hot light bulb under it or something like that. But uh, um, And if you really fall in love with growing avocados, Get yourself one of the so-called Mexican avocados, which is uh, when it, once it gets mature, rough bark, those things are cold-hardy down into the teens, and they don't always look exactly like the store-bought avocados, but they sure taste about the same. So uh might be long-term, but what you've got now, and it's growing in soil, not in water. Isn't that correct? Yes, sir. 
Okay, yeah. Uh, go ahead and put it in the ground. Just put it in the sunniest, most protected area you can find for it. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. That's what I'm here for. Appreciate the call. Have a great Saturday. And Penny's next. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I am. I have been talking to you for the last three years about a 12 by 15 piece of ground in in my yard, and um, it originally had a humongous um, red tip photinia in it. Right. That had like seven or eight st- uh, 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 trunks coming out of the ground. Right. And I was finally able uh, to get somebody in to. Um, Cut it, cut it down at ground, ground level, and then ground it. Yeah, ground it up about a foot into the ground, and so that part's taken care of. And then this past summer, I had um, uh, put, uh, um, or oh, we had previously put mulch in mm-hmm. there, right? And then la- last summer on Fourth of July, I went ahead and, and tried to solarize it. Okay. And what I did was, you know, I, I just as you instructed, I put the, the uh, dark cover down and. Held it in place with some cinder blocks and two by fours, and and uh, anyway, uh, I was not able to take take it off at six weeks um, because of health reasons. And now my husband just took it off about three days ago, so it was actually covered for like seven months. Okay, and, um, all the better. And yeah, is it better? That, yes, that's better. Oh, yeah, it's, okay. it just does a more effective job of killing what's underneath it. What are your plans for that space now that the cover's off? Well, I'd like to put uh, uh, some decorative mulch, okay. and then I'd like to plant a rose bush in the center of it, and then maybe some smaller plants, flowering plants, or caladiums uh, along the perimeter because it's at our front entrance to the home. Uh huh. Um, now. The soil and everything, uh, the mulch that was on there has, like, I don't know, sunk into the ground. Right. And right now the soil just looks terrible. And I don't know, is there some kind of amendment I need to do to the soil to... Uh, to get it viable and, and good working for some plants? Well, if you want to, Penny, you can get some good compost and just work in. I mean, you can go over to Gonzales and get some mushroom compost or turkey compost, and this will certainly improve it. I don't think I would plant anything right on top of where that fotinia was. I don't know how close that is to the center, but uh, it has roots. It has big woody things underground that are can continue to decompose so i would stay a foot or two away with a big permanent plant like your rose bush but uh, as mm-hmm. long as this is a sunny area um i'm more of a top-down guy i'm more planting it in your native soil than in again you certainly got better soil than we do in the hill country and then right. i'm for putting you know a good layer of uh, probably compost on the surface watering regularly uh and this is a fairly sunny spot no, it's on the east side of the house. It's, okay. uh, it's sunny in the morning up until about 2. Okay. Well, you're going to want to stay. You're going to want to put that rose bush as far out from the home where it's going to get as much sun as possible. But then around mm-hmm. it, you can plant plumbago. You can plant shrimp plants. You can plant eyelash sage. You can plant smooth leaf sage. Uh, there are lots of different colorful things. If you want annuals, caladiums are just fine. 
uh, along with coleus, along with begonias and impatiens, strobilanthus, uh, Persian shields is called. Uh, you can turn this into really a really beautiful flower bed. You could put a couple of big uh, elephant ears in there if you liked, either the green or, say, the purple alocasias. Uh, I see this eyesore spot turning into just an absolutely a nice accent for the entrance to your home. But just uh, my my two requirements would be stay as far out from the house as possible with that rose bush because it needs as much sun as possible. And don't plant anything big. Now, planting perennials like shrimp plant or plumbago or something on top of where that central trunk was of that Fotenia, that's fine. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd put some fertilizer down first. I'd plant. I'd probably use compost as a mulch on the surface, and then you'll never look back. It'll just keep getting prettier and prettier for you. Now, uh, is a plumbago, is that a kind of a, um azure blue sort of color um, in clusters? There is a pure white form. There is a light blue form, and there is more of a little bit uh, azure blue would be a good uh, color, good way to describe it. Okay, and and those could be planted close to where that rosebush was, or no? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean that, yeah, yeah. Okay, now um, now recognize you I may have to fertilize that... a little extra in that spot because you've still got a lot of deterioration. You've got a lot of microbes down below the surface stealing nitrogen to continue to break down those roots and things. So uh, you may okay. have to fertilize a little bit more heavily, but they should grow beautifully for you. Okay, and I was told that caladiums wouldn't work uh, unless you planted them from uh, bulbs or, or roots or what. How do, how do I plant those? Well, caladiums can be planted out, set out either as plants or as bulbs. And uh, it's still uh, just a little early to put the bulbs in the ground. The soil needs to be hot when you put the bulbs out. But once the bulbs have sprouted and started growing, um then they're just fine. So if you wanted to have something pretty for Easter, run over to Greengate or over somewhere over there and get yourself some caladiums that are already sprouted. If you just want to do it a little less expensively and want to plant a bigger mass, get your bulbs, but wait till wait another week or two before you put them in the ground. And, um, okay. uh, you know, it, it, you grow whichever way you like, but the caladium bulbs should not go in the ground until the soil is quite warm, but the plants could be planted today. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bob. You have a beautiful weekend. You do the same, Penny. We'll talk again, and I'll talk to Susan. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing today? It's just going to be a great weekend. Well, good, good, good. I just have two quick questions. I have uh, these darling little barn swallows are above my entry to my home, and they are determined to build a nest. How can I deter that? Move. (laughs) They, you know, barn swallows... I have heard so many different theories, some of which work and some of them don't. Um, I've had people, you know, they are deathly afraid of uh, our Texas rat snake, which eats a lot of barn swallows. I've had them, well, long story. Yeah, they, they will eat wherever they can, sometimes finding a way to a fix you know, like a plastic snake up there or something will discourage them. I've had people actually uh, kind of crumple up globs of chicken wire and put up temporarily, at least during the nesting season, in the places that they want to build their nest. Occasionally, I have people tell me that the uh, uh, plant or painting with that light blue paint they call haint blue, and I, I've tried that, and they have not built 
on the eaves per se. They built on a light fixture, you know, adjacent to that. But in many cases, that light blue paint, it sure does discourage the uh, paper wasps, by the way. Uh, But that may very well. And everybody has a different theory about whether it's because it looks like the sky or whatever. But uh, I know old Malcolm Beck one year visited my home, and I've got balcony up around three sides upstairs and porch three sides downstairs malcolm carey counted over a hundred paper wasps nest up in in you know the the eve area there and uh, i painted it the light blue and i think i had two the next year i encourage them i love to have them in the barn because they are of course are great uh uh, caterpillar controllers but uh just going to that light blue paint uh, totally discouraged the mud daubers, the wasps, and the uh, barn swallows stopped building on the areas that were coated with that paint. So that might be a good starting place, and uh, it's really not noticeable. I mean, some people say, well, I don't know if I like that color. It's not a bad color at all, and uh, uh, that would be that would probably be a good starting point. Okay, okay, I appreciate that. I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> they're determined little guys. Oh, they certainly <laughs> are, and they're beautiful little birds that make they the biggest are. messes in the world they really do it's not polite when the pay when people walk in and they you know stuff goes on there so. <laughs> well and it'll pile up it, it several inches deep on the porch and i tell you it takes a pressure washer to get it, it off it, if it's, indeed indeed it does and my last question is uh last year i bought the upright elephant ears from you right and oh my gosh they were amazingly beautiful and i still have them in 30 gallon pots but of course cut off at the bottom because that went away during the winter right is it just not warm enough for them for them to start growing? Or that's exactly the situation. Okay. They should be coming out again pretty shortly. But uh, uh, we've had incredibly hot days and incredibly chilly nights, and we're looking at a few more cool nights still okay. Easter time. So uh, I would keep the soil moist but not soggy wet. I might have hit them with a little has to grow or another good fertilizer. Okay. And um, I, yeah, it's there. A lot of things are very slow coming out this year. Okay. Perfect. I thought that might be the case. Well, thank you for your answers, and you have a wonderful day. And you do the same. Thank you so much for the call this morning. Thank you, sir. Certainly. Bye-bye. Bye, Susan.